all, welcome to the G Podcast, episode number 39. Tommy B is in the building. Hope you all are doing well. You know, every every year I try to do something for Black Music Month. So we got a really big guest. I'm gonna have to <laughs> I'm gonna hype you up, sir. <laughs> I see you over there. Uh, and uh Tanya B is in the building, and, and we always have a big guest when Tanya B is in the building. Uh, I am I am graced and blessed to have Tanya B every single week. Tanya B, how you doing? Hang, hang on just a minute, Tanya B. Okay. All right, there you go. I am blessed to have Tanya B in the building. Now you can hear. Now you can be heard. How you doing, Tanya B? <laughs> you not- you got jokes. I'm good, good, good. Yeah, I, I, I had glad your, to be in most of living. Hey, there you go. I, I had your I had your mic tempered, so uh, I just want to say hello to you. And before before we introduce our guest and, and get into the formalities, um, I, I got to ask you one question, and and you know you know what this is about, you know, because we hadn't talked. <laughs> so I, I got to find out Sunday dinner. I gotta, I gotta find out what you, what you okay. did for Sunday dinner. So, so come on. You know, and I thought about you while I was doing this, but let me just preface this by saying, okay. Yesterday in Atlanta, we uh. had a major water main break that affected the water from where I am yeah. over here in downtown, all the way out to Chattahoochee Hills. What? Are you serious? Yes. I mean, let me, can I say the this? Water- can I say something for a minute? Can I say something? A lot, a lot of folks. And, and, you know, I, I, I get the Wakanda, the Wakanda comparison on Atlanta. But, y'all, the infrastructure in Atlanta is in trouble. <laughs> I got to say that. The infrastructure. With a capital T. With a capital T. I mean, I used to work. I worked downtown for a minute. And I know that when you said the water main, I mean, sinkholes, I mean, they got to do something quick. So So let me ask you, I mean, how did it impact all the water? In the area, how did it impact everybody? Well, yesterday for about eight hours, mm-hmm. no water. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm one of those people. Anybody who ever called me a hoarder is the same person that called me yesterday and said, "Do you have any extra water?" <laughs> so I always keep you know at least two, three cases of of uh, water in my house at all times, just yeah. because of the times that we live in. So I had that, but I mean everything. Mm. And I thought about being in Mexico. You have to brush your teeth with yeah. bottled water. Yeah. You have to wash your face with bottled water. Um, real talk, I didn't go anywhere yesterday because it's kind of hard to shower with a big, you know, <laughs> with a big crab seafood pot and a two liter of water. Man. So so go Not ahead. That, that's I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, that's yes. but that's indicative of some of the issues. In, in these in these yes. in these metros. So that, that has yeah. affected what I cook today because now we're under boil water advisory. Mm. So if it's not boiled or bottled, don't use it. Wow. Wow. Okay. So the only thing I've been able to do today is uh I'd uh put some chicken in marinade Friday <laughs> night. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. So I did that. Um, I'm trying to figure, I'm going to do stuffing, but I'm going to have to use bottled water Mm -hmm. just to make it moist. So, you know, we're getting to the dinner, but, um, it's been a bit of a challenge and, you know, we have these conveniences that we're used to, but you know, if we didn't have them, it'd be a different story. So right now, all all I have to serve up to you is baked chicken and cornbread stuffing. I'm mad (laughs) for you. I'm mad for you, but you know what? We're going to, we're going to keep moving on, but I'm mad for you. I'm going to let you know. I'm, I'm, I get it. I get it. I got to say what's up to my brother from another mother, Vi's in the building. Vi, how you doing, sir? I know you're going to be a minute coming up, so just take your time. 
sit back and relax because because I want to I want to introduce our guest. He's in the building and and, and I can see him over there. And, and you know what? I'm I'm extra extra glad and and thankful and happy that he he bought into the technology because a lot of folks are like, no, nah, I'm just gonna call you. <laughs> but but he did. He went ahead. He's he's on camera and and got his microphone set up. So I'm excited about the fact that, that he can kind of blend in with the show. But but I want to say this. Um, you know, it's, it's Black Music Month. And and this gentleman really is is, you know, can we can we call him, you know, like one of the founding fathers? I want to make him seem old because, you know, he's he's still relevant even. <laughs> but but, you know, he's one of the one of the when I when I take a look back at, at really some of the really solid black execs and black programmers. I mean, this guy, his name, you know, definitely comes up. But I want to frame this for some folks because we have younger people who are listening to the podcast and, and they may not get, you know, how people like James Alexander, who we're going to introduce, how, how he came about. And, 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 and James A., feel free uh, at the end of this, correct some of the, uh, some of the challenges I have in, in my logic to this. But I remember growing, I grew up in Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, AM was the thing. AM was dominant. If you looked at all the cities, AM, it was where the music was in the 60s, 70s. I mean, going back to early radio, it was all AM. So FM hadn't really emerged yet. Am I correct in saying that? Oh, uh, absolutely. And uh, in your particular market, uh, what was WAOK? AOK. Uh, yep. Boss. And then there was a station called We Go Where You Go, WIGO. Yep. <laughs> absolutely, WIGO. <laughs> and, and where uh, Tanya B. You were, was it YLD in Boston? WYLD was in Boston. Then you had uh, WWRL, WLIB in New York. You had WOL in DC. Mm-hmm. And just tons of, you know, all these classics. AM really, I think, well, I'll say this. Let me just take this real quickly. When you talked about, you know, you didn't want to say that. Sometimes I think saying, you know, OG or, I don't say old, I say season because season. There you go. if you didn't have some of the seasoning of people like James A, yeah. there would be no building blocks, no foundation. You wouldn't be able to make your old bay to season up your seafood and do it right if yeah. you didn't have the James A's of the world. Absolutely. Can we all agree on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So all so right. at the time, FM wasn't popular. FM was more progressive rock. You had college stations, but disco came around. And then when they started putting a lot of the, well, not necessarily soul, but the dance music on the disco stations, you had a lot of these big FMs pop up in the cities like V103, you know, WVEE, uh, GCI was uh, BMX. Some of the uh, uh, BMX probably was first, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yep. So and yeah, then, BMX was first. Uh, uh, GCI was uh, uh, Chicago was Really, kind of jazz and progressive. BMX uh, uh, was more of uh, a mainstream contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Then you had BLS yep. in New York, and you know, yeah, Kiss. BLS. You know, uh, Kiss BMX. FM. Yeah. So you you had these what you know dance disco stations, and then when disco died, that's when the urban stations start. A lot of those disco stations transitioned into urban stations. And then you had the emergence. Then that's when you really saw, you know, V, WVEE, GCI, BMX, uh, BLS, uh, KISS FM in New York, uh, you know, Dallas, K104. You started to see. And that's when, you know, you had people like James A. 
and, and who I thought would like the that was the golden era. And, and don't you agree, Tanya B, that that was like the golden era of the of the black uh, executive PD? Oh, absolutely. And the emergence of it, because then you found, you know, these uh, owners who had these formats mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with them. They did not know what to do. Um, so, you know, basically that's when, and, and we hate to look at it like this, but you know, black executives, we got our, I mean, we got our shot. You got your shot. So really fortunate to have James, a James Alexander broadcast executive, legendary PD in the building. James, a, we're going to give you the long applause. (laughs) You may not, you may not hear it, but then then we're going to give you the DJ air horn. There you go, because you deserve it. Say, hey, thank you, sir, for being on. Really, I, I appreciate you being. Well, again, on. I, it is my pleasure, and I thank you very much for the invitation. Both of you, uh, we got plenty of water down in Mobile, so now come on down. <laughs> okay, you playing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm water. surviving in the game, James A. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so so James A. Um, a little bit about your history. I mean, you worked at. You know, CEIN. Were you at CEIN in Cincy? You're originally from Cincinnati. Well, right I, uh, yes. Well, what it, here's here's how it started. Um, mm-hmm. I started at a station called WCIN in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an AM station, and I was 17 years old, a senior in high school. Wow. And how that started was that uh, that was really my door number two, to be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, door number one was to go play football, um, go to school. And become an attorney. But uh, that was quite, it was suddenly interrupted by uh, <clears throat> stepping the wrong way and getting hit in my knee. Wow. And being laid out on the, on the field in uh, summer practice, uh, you know, I guess in 1967. What, what position so were you there, playing, by the way? What position were you playing? Oh, I was a defensive, uh, I was a tackle. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. And I jumped up in the air, and the defensive end hit my foot. I flipped, boom. Uh, so at that point, I said, well, it's time for uh, door number two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and But to back up before that, uh, radio was something that I was very interested in uh, going back, uh, you know, as a kid. And growing up in Cincinnati, uh, WCIN was really a legendary station. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some people that were on that station that uh, we all know. One was a gentleman named uh jockey jack who uh we all uh became known as jack the rapper Mm -hmm. yeah then there was a gentleman named bug scruggs and eddie castleberry and all of that and uh that was just one of my uh one of my uh passions so then you know i let that go and uh went on about the life of being a teenager so when i was laying on the field i said well it's door number two yeah and then i uh Started, uh, befriended a gentleman who became my mentor. He's uh, resting in peace now, a guy by the name of Tom Knox. Uh, we used to call him TKO. And then there was another gentleman in Cincinnati uh, that was on there uh, who was a program director named Tom Tankerson, tall Tom from Tampa and all that. <laughs> so if you notice what I'm saying, everybody had a little name. Yeah. So yeah. when I looked at people that I uh, wanted to mirror myself after, one, it was uh, going back to say Bug Scruggs. He got a radio name, and then he was the program director. Mm-hmm. And he got Tall Tom Tom Hagerson. Uh, he was very popular. Came on in the afternoon. He was program director. Tom Knox was the gentleman that was the uh, uh, 
was on our personality at night. Mm. And uh, what uh, really impressed me before I got on the radio, just to let you know just how things work, I got an opportunity to visit the radio station. And then there was this gentleman, and I got a chance to meet Hankerson. Now, what that meant for me at that time, oh, maybe 16 years old, here was this uh, this this, uh, this tall black man uh, was uh, who was on the radio, very popular, um, dressed up, had his own office with a door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, people were coming to his door, asking, "Oh, Mister Hangerson, this, Mister Hangerson, that," yeah. you know, including white people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So now we're talking about 1966, 67, you know. So I said, wow, you know, this is something that I think I would like to do. Uh, So uh, about a year or so, year and a half later, uh, befriended by Tom Knox, who was TKO, uh, he uh, uh, trained me to go on the air. Well, being trained to go on the air, you know, you have to have a certain amount of what they now call swag. So, you know, I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. And uh, I never will forget the first, and he was very popular in the city now, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I never will forget the time I was sitting there talking stuff with him. I said, man, uh, you know, I'm ready to take your spot and all this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he opened the mic yeah. and leaned back and said, okay, now uh, I got this young dude up in here talking stuff. Yeah. What is it you want to tell Cincinnati? <laughs> mm, yeah. I froze, I have to admit, uh, you know. And he said, well, that's what I thought, you know. Yeah. But it was just more of a befriending thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So in teaching me to uh, get on the air. Now, how I got on the air was a very interesting thing as well. Uh, there was a uh, the program director at the time was a gentleman named Bob Hudson. Uh, Hankerson had left. Mm-hmm. So Hankerson is either down in Miami or Atlanta. I don't remember which one for the uh, uh, natural convention. That was a that was a preeminent to. Uh, one of, you know, one of the organizations. Mm-hmm. So now, while the PD is out of town, Hankerson, not Hankerson, but Tom Knox and all of them, uh, they put me on the radio. <laughs> the cat's, the cat's <laughs> away. <laughs> the mouse will play. <laughs> put yeah. me on the radio. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. man, I tell you, uh, I first, I, I did that, uh, well, six to eight slot, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. just for in PM, six to eight in, in the evening, you know, mm-hmm. put me on the air, man, you know, and uh, never will forget the first record that I played was uh, a Junior Walker and All Stars. Wow. Uh, but the thing about it was that back in that day, uh, uh, we were all 45s. Mm. Songs were no more than about three minutes, if, if that. They put me on the air, man. I could have swear that song was about 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing else so to say. You go. And see, back then, it wasn't none yeah. of this, uh, yeah. let's run three, four records in a row. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, you had to have, uh, you came in between every song, mm. and quite naturally, you had to have something to say. Yeah. yeah. And in addition to that, you needed a little hook. Mm. So my hook was uh, uh, Jimmy Wonder, the Teenage Ball of Thunder. <laughs> You know. <laughs> no, no, no. 
I can't and, imagine, uh, man. I, that, I just can't that, imagine. That was that. my little hook, you I know. Can't imagine that. Because uh, wow. again, I'm a senior in high school at uh, yeah. Walnut Hills High School in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. So then my PD, who was uh, so when, by the time the PD got back to town, I guess it went all right because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was still uh, there, and um, they called my father, and I had to go get something. Uh, I think they called him a. Uh, was it like a learner's permit or something you had to get when you were uh, underage so yeah. that you could work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, they went and got that. And then the, uh, the gentleman uh, told me that I needed to get an ID. I'm not an ID, uh, an intro. Everybody had an intro back then. Mm-hmm. Tell you another little secret. Back then, you know, we used to, uh, no big thing, you know, to go and visit radio stations. And I was always big, big on that. Mm-hmm. Being in Cincinnati, I would go up to Columbus and, Listen to WVKO and go by the station. A guy named Bill Moss was there. Wow. And go up to Indianapolis. Uh, Spider Harrison, who you know is probably there. And down in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Jim Dandy and all of that, you know. And then there was another gentleman up in Columbus at WVKO. I told him, I said, man, I need an intro. So this gentleman came, went, into, went in the studio, went in the production room, and those big old turntables, man, was cueing it back and forth. And because uh, it was Jimmy Wonder, the ball of thunder. Had his little sound effects on there with some thunder noise. <laughs> and he came up with this little, this rhyme and rap was Jimmy Wonder, the ball of thunder, mm. the men's threat and the ladies' pet, <laughs> the love of supreme and every girl's dream. The one who did it, hit it, split it, twice didn't fit it, always got away with it. Soul of the new breed, you know. <laughs> and uh, put that on a cart. I made a couple of carts of that here for those who've been around a while. Yeah. Uh, came on down to Cincinnati. And put that in at six o'clock. Now, the gentleman who recorded that and produced that ID is another gentleman that uh, I know many of uh, know, if not uh, personally, definitely by reputation. His name was Les Brown, the man about town. So Les Brown produced my first intro. That lit the city up. So therefore, uh, it just kind of moved and progressed from there. And I was there uh, like four and a half years. And it all really kind of went on from there. But a, a lot there. of you guys started like you started young. Uh, Donnie Simpson was was on at a really young age. Um, you know, a lot. A lot. Uh, Donnie was up in Detroit. I think what they were doing. Uh, I know at least the station, the WCIN, had made the decision, and I'm sure uh, uh, JLB in Detroit probably did the same thing, which was AM, by the way, initially as well. Mm-hmm. Was that uh, I think they were trying to look to find somebody who was young. Uh, that could identify with the younger audience. Yeah. You know. And and you know Detroit well because you worked in Detroit as well. You were in, you know, if if you I know, worked in Detroit much later. Yeah, um yeah, yeah. much later. Mm-hmm. I uh was in Cincinnati again and then I went up uh, up the up the highway to a station called WDAO, Dayo, mm. which was an FM station. Dayton, Ohio? Was that Dayton? Dayton, Ohio. Yep. It uh it covered Portions of Cincinnati. Okay. Not not all of it, because Cincinnati is extremely hilly if you've, if you've never been there. But so if you lived up on one of the hills or something, you could get DAO out of Dayton, which really turned into somewhat of a competitor for WCIN, which was AM. Mm-hmm. So if I went from, um, I left uh, Friday on uh, CIN, and that Monday, I was up on DAO in uh, Dayton. Wow. So I was there for about a year and a half. And, um, you know, doing what I did. And then I, I, I met another individual who came in as the program director, which was a gentleman, which another situation that was like a Tom Knox, 
a mentor or such, still is, that um, was, a, was a whole different thing in my life, gentleman by the name of Ernest L. James. Ernest had came down from Cleveland, you know, and um, so I was on the air, so I think he, I was on in the late afternoon or something. He put me on in the morning, and he was program director, and again, it flashed back another Hankerson. <laughs> he was the program director, but except he wasn't on the air. Nor did he work on, so by not being on air, didn't work on Saturday. But here he is, black man, program director, yeah. uh, had an office with a door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. People coming in, asking him a bunch of questions, hmm. uh, shirt and tie every day. I said, wow. So I, be, he, I befriended him. He befriended me. So I was there for about a year and a half or so. So he set it up with some people were for me to go down. I told him, I said, well, you know, I like to work in a large market, whatever. You know? So he hooked it up uh, uh, for me to go down to New Orleans at a station called WBOK, which, again, was another AM station. So I was there and did what I had to do and ultimately became a uh, interim PD there. Then Ernest hired me um, from uh, BOK up in Chicago when he uh, had left and uh, went up to WBMX, at that time, this was uh, mid seventy, like seventy six or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I worked there. Then when Ernest uh, went over to VON and GCI as the general manager, uh, they uh, a gentleman named Mac Allen, who was the national PD, uh, they made me the uh, interim PD at BMX. While and they told me, said, "Well, we're going to put you in here. Do you, you know? But understand, we're looking for somebody." Yeah. Uh, now, what flashed back in my mind, I guess, was the old Les Brown story. Why did you put me in there? I ain't love, you know, even some of the people I knew, they said, man, you didn't act like no interim. <laughs> I said, hey, you know, you get one shot of the first impression. So, well, you know, yeah. what did I have? The, the deal was I wasn't going to lose my job. So, you know, mm-hmm. so I went on and uh, did that. And here I am now competing against Ernest over at the other station where he's a general manager. Now, BMX was around what, what year? What, what what time frame? That was 1978, I guess. Okay, yeah. And then he brought in another gentleman as his PD out of Nashville, who we all know, named uh, Barry Mayo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you see how this is all, we're all one degree apart, you know. Man. So then I was there, and then uh, I was there a couple of years, and then that, that you know, finally uh, uh, ran its course. And that's when I went back down uh, through... Uh, um, Knoxville and uh, worked for the gentleman who was my first PD in CIN, Bob Hudson. Mm-hmm. And then I went over to, uh, what did I go? I think I went to New Orleans after that yeah. uh, at the uh, a different station, WYLD. And uh, another gentleman who we all around. may remember, Bruce Bailey, yep. with my PD there. Yep. And I went over to Houston at uh, a station called Love 94, which was uh, competing against Magic. And Steve Harris, uh, rest in peace, rest very in good peace. friend of mine, good guy, good uh, man. was the PD there. Mm-hmm. So from there, here comes Barry Mayo <laughs> and Ernest James. Barry Mayo calls Ernest James and says, man, I'm look, we're looking for a PD in Detroit. Who do you know? Yeah. Uh, so Ernest said, well, I know somebody, you know, James Alexander. What, <laughs> where's he at? I mean, is he, is he done this? Well? And, uh, you know, so if you know Ernest, he said, well, but I mean, what can he do? We'll say, well, who, who you? He said, after repeating it about three or four times, 
Mayo, remember, though, of course, up in uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. So they brought me up for the interview. That's where I met uh, Verna Green <laughs> and a guy named John Booth, who had never heard of me in their life, you know. Yeah. So uh, they brought me in there. And that was uh, clearly a, a defining moment in my life uh, where I got up there in about 1982. Uh, and when I got there, there were like seven uh, urban stations. It was almost like Atlanta. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, but there were like seven urban radio stations. Mm. And uh, so what I did was uh, I always had a vision. You know, I had a vision that, uh, I, you know, of how I wanted a radio station to sound. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were, and and again, understand, I'm saying a lot of I, I, I's, but all I, I, I's are we, we, we's, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to have a team. Yeah, you, you know, you have, you know, you have to have a team. Absolutely. So. We put that together, you know, you have to have a vision, you know, and we have a vision. So while in Detroit, we're going up of those seven stations, uh, five of them, uh, I guess four of them went away, you know, not went away, but just kind of, uh, grabbed a little, uh, got a nice little seat in the stand, big box, big box of uh, popcorn or soft drink and said, let us watch this. It's it's the Uh, survival of the fittest. For the most part, well, because we went, yeah. uh, we were going up against a station called WDRQ, yeah. which had been pop, disco, all of that, mm-hmm. and they were, uh, you know, like a uh, uh, really black station with the top forty formatics. Mm-hmm. So we went up against DRQ, and the consultant at the time was a guy named Jerry Clifton. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jerry Clifton had something called continuous music. Yep. Well, Forever. I said, well, I need something. You got to have a hook. Mm-hmm. It's like when I went on the air, Jimmy wanted a ball, whatever. You got to have a hook. So I remember being on the air just as a jock. Uh, and, you know, I see back in my first game on, you had to rhyme and talk all that, you know. So one of the things I used to say on the air was, you know, blah, 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 blah. Here's a strong song, you know. Oh. So I said, oh, let me do this strong song thing. Well, we put the strong songs on the air. Uh, Verna, who was the general manager, was very supportive. John Booth, who was the owner, very supportive. So uh, that became our mantra. But at the same time, Detroit was going through a uh, situation where it was uh, going through some hard times, you know. Yeah. And uh, DRQ, you know, was the top one. We were right under them. And, and, you know, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a big struggle. Uh, so what happened was that, and, Mary, and, a, and a gentleman who was the mayor at the time, Coleman Young, again, strong black man. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. I, I'm sure he had an office with a door oh, and wore a shirt and tie every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right in front of City Hall in Detroit, last time I was there, they still had it. There was this uh, big black arm that, that stood out on a like a statue of uh, the arm of Joe Lewis, who was from Detroit. Um, so I saw that and I said, downtown Detroit. And then in Detroit, like eight mile road is kind of like a line of back then was a line of demarcation. Okay. Yeah. So we, so I said, well, okay, so we, we got, you know, we, we can, we can be all of this, you know? So we came on. So that was the, uh, was the theme of the strong songs with the big black arm uh, we did a commercial. Again, the, the, the company was very supportive of that. 
where people were like in a, uh, in a, in a health club, you know, and, uh, you know, working out, getting strong. You had, you know, had a lady, yeah. had a man, and had one white guy, married it out. And all that became the strong song, the wow. strong song. You know, and and a whole and lot. If you if you're from hard, Detroit, you, you remember know? that because it was big. It was it was all over your radio station at the time. So yeah. it was all. And see, we were doing something back then mm-hmm. that uh, I don't think a lot of us really knew, and that was called branding. You know, mm-hmm. that name was not uh, universally used. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at least that I knew about. But so my thing was strong songs versus continuous music. Strong song. And then the other thing was that you take it, always take advantage of a situation. Detroit being the city it is, Eight Mile Road uh, was a line of demarcation. We're located downtown. They're located out in a place called Southfield at 10 and a half mile. Mm. Well, is 10 and a half mile north of Eight Mile? <laughs> you would think so. We, we played off on that. You know, uh, uh, so, you know, just kind of really, you know, rock with all of that. So what we're doing at JLB, another instrumental thing, is because you got to build a team now. I had this vision that, uh, and back then, there weren't too many uh, urban shows. One, right down in Atlanta, Mike Roberts. Yep. Uh, there was uh, Joyner and Banks, and there probably were some others, but those are the, 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 the big ones that I knew about. Yeah. But, but I did know there was a guy that was on a station in L.A., on Top 40 station, that was doing all of these different little things on the air named Rick D. <laughs> well, I used to go out to LA yeah. all the time, but I, I liked LA still like LA, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I would hear Rick D's and I would have people send me uh tapes, you know, all the record guys were out there say, man, um, yeah, we're going to send you so-and-so record. Yeah. We'll put in a table, Rick D's, uh, a kiss when you, when you, when you put it in there. So the little cassettes, so what it was, I was looking for somebody to uh, to fulfill that vision. Well, uh, Steve Harris came into play. Always somebody. You never do it by yourself now. He came in and told me about a gentleman that was uh, in St. Louis. So they were talking about moving to Houston, but his mother was ill in Cleveland, and he wanted to get closer to home. Hmm. So we hired him. Uh, didn't have an opening at the time. Uh, so he was production director for a year or so or whatever. And uh, the the gentleman who uh, was the morning man at that time uh, went on vacation. Well, me and myself, uh, when he went on vacation, I had the guy in the production room because what it was, but he would always be doing his production, and we we're born on the same day actually, so uh, June eighteenth. So I, whenever I would come in the room to say something about production, he would be running one of his audition tapes on one of the four tracks over in the corner. Uh, I'm playing like I ain't hearing it, <laughs> but I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so when when the, when when this uh, slot opened up for for the, to fill in for the week, I, I put him in there. Well, he came in like when I came in when I had that opportunity to do that PD uh, interim PD thing. Uh, by Tuesday, I was uh, in a meeting with uh, John Booth and Verna. Uh, Mayo was there. He was the consultant. Another gentleman who was a marketing consultant. And I said, you know, we need to make a change in the morning. I think everybody thought I was crazy. Uh, They probably used to look out windows that weren't there. And and I didn't blink. 
Mm-hmm. I said, this is a guy that needs to be the morning. Put him on in the morning. Well, James, uh, uh, put him on in the morning. Mm. So put him on in the morning. And I told him, here, well, here's this, uh, his, his, this is what, here, here is his instructions. Give me the call letters, play all the commercials. Don't bring no music in there. And don't have me having to have some ridiculous meeting about something silly you've done in the morning when 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 you get off there. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> that was his instructions for the morning show. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a gentleman who you may or may not know or have heard of. His name is Mason. Mm, yeah, yep. That's how Mason started in in uh, uh, Detroit. Yeah, if you grew up in Detroit, you definitely know Mason. How many years did he stay on? What twenty? Uh, I would say he was every bit on JLB of twenty, and I guess mm-hmm. uh, that by the time Clear Channel took over, I guess they they took him off, and they took a guy named Jim Harper off, who was you know yeah. the same equivalent over on on the AC station. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think both of them wanted uh, maybe a million or two dollars or something, and in Detroit, I don't think that was necessarily an issue. But yeah. I wasn't there at the time, so mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but but he owned the uh, city. I, I would have fought for that. I say, hold on, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but they and then what and what we did was uh, put uh, put a little team together with it. Uh, there was a, a young lady by the name of Lynn Briggs, who you may or may not know. You yep. know, no Lynn. Yep. So Lynn Briggs's job was uh, to do the weather. <laughs> <laughs> now, where I, I I remember I remember when I was living in Dayton, Ohio, at DAO. There was a station there, and a gentleman who did the weather, I think his name was Dewey or somebody, I, I don't remember offhand, mm-hmm. but he was on the TV station, and he did the weather outside. Wow. I mean, year-round, snow, rain, whatever, he would go outside, outside of, uh, the TV station and do the weather. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, let's get Lynn Briggs to do the weather outside. <laughs> on the because radio. Everyone has to have a job. <laughs> everyone has to have a role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we took her down. She went downstairs with a little... uh. Uh, I'm going back on you now. Uh, a little cassette machine, with, with, you know, over her shoulder, mm. a little microphone, and was and the radio station. See, was located right in the heart of downtown, so people were during mornings. People were walking by, you know, mm-hmm. uh, going to where they had to go. Right. So she would go by and stop people and put them on the radio and uh, give them their personal weather forecast. Wow. <laughs> wow. Then we had one other individual that we put on there. Uh, he needed a job. Well, his thing was uh, to do the traffic. They didn't have those traffic services back then, or if they did, they weren't really uh, uh, predominant. Yeah. So JLB at the time was on the twentieth floor. So he would come off as if he was looking out up on the roof of the Penobscot building, <laughs> <laughs> looking out over the city yeah, from yeah. downtown, uh, giving everybody their uh, traffic report. Wow. Well. We gave him a name. And uh, again, it's all about a team. Um, I think Verna came up with uh, with the name Tune-Up. Mm. And the reason we used the name Tune-Up was going back to competing against DRQ. Okay. See, DRQ was at 93.1. We were at FM 98. This was before it was analog back then. Yeah. So... For people that, and the majority of the people legitimately were listening to DRQ. So to listen to JOB, you would have to take the knob and tune it up to JOB. Mm. Tune it up to FM 98. Well, so tune up, we gave him that name. He still uses the name. Wow. 
Now, I think he's on a station called The Bounce now. Now, th- this was around what time? What 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 time? We're talking oh, what? This was in the well, see, I was at the station from eighty two to ninety. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. was in the mid eighties. Mid eighties. Oh yeah. And then he would go out in his uh, he'd go out in the street, you know, mm. and uh, but man, I mean, he bought into Tune Up Man, mm. and to this day, you can go on and check him out uh, on uh, Facebook wherever, mm. and you see somebody named Tune Up Man. Yeah. It's the same Tune Up Man. Wow. So the the, the Detroit folks all know. Probably grew up on most of them grew up on on tune up on tune up man. Well, I would say in that in that eighties crowd, 80s, no question, without you know. a question, yeah, without. You Donnie Simpson and all that was 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 part of the the seventies late seventies crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Job had moved over to FM by that time, and the people that were on uh, FM, I mean on AM, <clears throat> they moved them over mm-hmm. to the AM station. They sold that station to. Uh, a young lady, uh, 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 you know, a lady by the name of Martha Jean, the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she bought the station cause th- she was originally at 1400 where JLB was on AM. And then she changed the call letters to WQBH, which means, uh, with the queen is back home on 1400 AM, you know, mm-hmm. and she hired a bunch of the people that had originally been over on JLB. And, uh, they actually were located right down the hall from us, uh, on the 20th floor. But by that time, JLB had went and, uh, we had we kept a couple of them, but when as I got there, and even before I got there, we started changing people out, and uh, uh, you know I uh, put a whole new staff together. We uh, were competing hard against DRQ. It was yeah. a hard battle, and yeah. and uh, the battle that uh, that was, uh, I equated it to something back when I was younger, listening to the radio. Mm-hmm. There was there were two CHR top forty stations mm-hmm. that battled till death do them part in Chicago. Mm-hmm. One was WLS, and another one was WCFL. I could you could pick them up at night down in Cincinnati. Wow. Well, the JLB DRQ battle in my mind was to equate it against LS and uh, CFL. Well, LS won, and JLB won. Mm-hmm. And what got me was uh, I knew that we the, in, in, in the battle. I guess it went hard for about three years. You know, right. What really, I, I knew when we had won, we used to do a lot, we did a lot of research back then. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the, Everybody had the money for it then. So there was some money, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we did the research, yeah. you know, the uh, perceptual groups and all of that, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, call out every week and all that. Mm-hmm. And I never will forget, we were sitting up in a research group and, uh, and, and DRQ, Amaturo Group, Monte Lang and all of that, you know, mm-hmm. they did the same thing. Uh, I think they must have uh, done one uh, previous to us, you know. Anyway, we're sitting up in the research group, and uh, for those who may may not be familiar, you, you get about eight or nine people around, uh, and you do, you know, uh, then you have a, a, a neutral person that's conducting it, and you're asking them different uh, things about the radio station, features, how they feel, this, that, whatever. Yeah. Generally, yeah. people will beat you up. Yeah, normally. They'll beat you up in the meeting. So this guy, a guy named Peter Mockover, you know, he was he's one of these slick dudes, man, slick white boy, you know. Mm-hmm. So he asked a, he asked a very crucial question, which was a determining question. He said, "Well, what you so it sounds like what you're telling us is that JLB needs to go away." Mm-hmm. What did that mean in Detroit? A lot of stations have changed formats that had been black or whatever and changed formats and done something else, you know. 
So he says, what do you mean? J-O-B must need to go away. The room got silent. Mm. Man, it still hits me. Yeah. The room got silent beyond crickets. <laughs> and what and 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 there's always a leader in the group. And what that guy said, mm, please excuse me. He said, if JLB goes away, what will we have? That's 30 years ago, man. That still hits me. Yeah. They must have done it was right after that. Not long after that, was that DRQ indeed went away? Wow! Uh, and it was aided by the fact that our we had a sales manager uh, who was working one of our sister stations in South Bend. Got him, Shell Leshner, and uh, he was a guy that grew up on South Side of Chicago. You know, a Jewish guy. So he was very much you know into the demographic and so forth. And what he was doing as we were battling on the product side, he was battling on the sales side. What happened was, is that we were, so he got, he built it up to the point where, where the numbers were very close within a half a point of one another. And the sales thing was right on it. And he's running those sales uh, gigs and Verna, who is extremely supportive, is from Detroit. And again, what you may not know about Verna, uh, when she became general manager of the radio station, that was her at least third career change. She was an executive at General Motors, and she was an executive at uh, one of the hospitals there. So at about 30-something years old, she threw threw all that in and became general manager of the radio station in her hometown where her parents are and went to school and all that. John Booth, owner of the station. Detroit's his hometown. His father owned the station. The station, John JLB, stands for John L. Booth, yeah. if you didn't know. Yeah. Well, John had a younger brother, and as you know, uh, uh, I guess the father had given John the radio stations and given the younger brother the cable stations. So they had sibling rivalry going on. Right. So I guess they used to talk back and forth, who's going to really make it? Mm-hmm. What you going to do? I got cable. You know we gonna grow. What you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Well, that incentivizes uh, John. So we had that incentive going. We had Shell going. Mm-hmm. We had me who had been a program director, but had got an opportunity to come back in. We had Mason who uh, uh, came in and fresh, clean slate to win. Uh, you know, with an opportunity, he took it over. You know, yeah. uh, you had all of these people with with all of these with the incentive. A lot of, you know, to make it nothing but win. And we didn't really, in all honesty, we didn't know anything but to do whatever we were going to do to win. Yeah, you had to. So we did. But yeah. now here's the key factor. Here's something that uh, brings the puts the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. So I never forget, I went over to uh, Cleveland uh, just for the weekend with the family. You know, it's about three, about three hours from uh, Detroit. And on the way back, there was a station in Cleveland, WZAK. Now, they were at 93.1, the same as DRQ. And whenever you would make that trip, when you get somewhere uh, before you got to Toledo, DRQ would come in, you know, like taking it over. Right. And I noticed that uh, ZAK was coming in. ZAK came all the way into Toledo. (laughs) 
And if you're familiar with Detroit, ZAK came all the way into uh, where the uh, Fairlane Town Center is on the Southfield Freeway. I said, wait a minute, what is going on? And I'd heard a rumor that uh, uh, DRQ was, was going to change. Well, DRQ went dark that weekend. And you, well, you know, when a frequency goes dark, whoever's in the market will fill the void. Yeah. So that's when they went dark. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the killer. They're dark. We have won. Hmm. And so, what do a lot of people do at that time, particularly owners? Well, you've won now. We don't need to do all of this. John Booth, uh, sometimes we would go over to the corporate office, which is down to the next block, or go up to some place called the Detroit Club, uh, you know, uh, and have meetings up there. He came over to the radio station for this. And I never forget what he said. He said, uh, Okay, now that you now that we have won, what you 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 have even a bigger competitor, mm. and that bigger competitor is you, <laughs> is yourself. Yeah, got to <laughs> compete with yourself. It's you. Mm-hmm. So we got to really put our foot on 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 the gas, mm-hmm. and that he did. Yeah. yeah, and then he said something uh, from a strategic standpoint that has stood with me all of these years. I mean, we just do all kind of contests, money, this, that, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we had a contest called uh, uh, $1,000. Uh, we're going to give away $1,000 a day, you know, like increments of $100. Mm-hmm. But, if we, but if we don't give away the 1000 it was 5000 guaranteed. So I said, well, John, we're going to do 1000 but 5000 guaranteed. What was John Booth's uh, response to me? Well, James, what's the key? Well, the guarantee is we're going to do it 10 times a day at $100. He said, James, what is the guarantee? Mm. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I guess, Jesus on the Mount after about the third time. <laughs> explain it, you know, <laughs> he said there for it to be a guarantee resonated with me. Sure. You know, for there to ever be a guarantee, there has to be a penalty. If we don't ever give away the thousand, we're going to give away 5,000. This is the owner. I get my credit. Yeah. And what happens is that everyone gets their credit on their on 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 their platform. Big time. So far as from the radio and the programmers and blah blah blah, it was me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Verna, from the general manager standpoint and agency folk, it was her. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess another agency folks in sales was Shell Leshner. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the city, it was Mason. I was never on there. I think I went on the air maybe two or three times when I first got there. Yeah. Uh, nobody in Detroit in the city knew me. Yeah. People will, I said, well, yeah, I was a J-O-B. Oh, okay. I was the guy that hired Mason. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I'm, a, you know. So everybody got their own accolades based on their particular platform on the various pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. James, when you, when you take a look at your career and, and you look back at the time you spent there, you know, from from Cincy to Detroit, and and we'll, we won't definitely go into all all into the Chicago. You had a chance to work yeah, Chicago, with uh, others, yeah, right. with uh, you know with with Tom Joyner, Doug Banks. I mean, what what do you think is the golden age, man, of of black radio? If you if you had to narrow it to years, what would what would you consider? I would say the golden age. Well, first of all, there were several. Mm-hmm. 
uh, one of the golden ages was going back in the day, like say when Tanya's father was on the air, Jim Early Bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we've talked about him on the show. Right. Yep, absolutely. That was the golden age, and we're, and we're going to uh, add clear respect to that because mm-hmm. that was our foundation. Mm-hmm. Bug Scruggs, Early Bird, uh, Sonny Jim Kelsey, uh, Hank Spann, Put Your Foot on the Rock, WWRL, Jerry Bowden, are you name it. Mm-hmm. And then there was another golden age as we progressed along, moving, uh, say, from, uh, uh, say, AM into the FM. And what happened at that time was that uh, the whole Top 40 thing was real big. Uh, Drake Chenault and Paul Drew and all of that, CKLW and all, you know, and we were competing against them. And then there were gentlemen, people like Jerry Bowling, a programmer, who actually competed very well against CKLW in Detroit, you know, at low power WCHB was the, was the competitor to JLB. So we're talking 80s. And I think a lot of that became a pinnacle Mm -hmm. going into the Mm eighties and then into the early nineties. Now what, uh, what happened? Yeah. I think one of the things that happened that was really no fault of anyone. It was just what happened was that, Back in that day, for the most part, in most cities, there was always at least two uh, black urban radio stations, which means you had to compete. Mm-hmm. Certain cities, Cincinnati only had one, but you go in Washington, you go in Chicago, you go Detroit, there was at least two. Mm-hmm. So what happened as we moved into the 90s with... Um, Oh, what was that thing uh, where they uh, uh, start let everybody buy the different uh, stations and so forth? Oh, the uh, consolidation, consolidation, the consolidation. There's another name for it. Around ninety five, ninety six, where mm-hmm. where people started owning their competitors and so forth. Mm-hmm. It, it it unfortunately, no fault of anybody's. Mm-hmm. You had another crew of programmers that came up after the group I was in, mm-hmm. my group, myself. Lee Michaels, Mayo, you know, uh, <coughs> Keith Adams, and any number of people. Jerry Bowling. Jerry Jerry was really ahead of us. One, one thing what, before what you go on, huh? too. Can you hear me? One, one thing I want to explain to the podcast audience. When yeah. we talk about, that's really important because when you said, we, we talk about consolidation, that's when Clinton deregulated, basically, uh, especially. You, you, deregulation. You had, that was had, the word I was trying yeah, to think of. You had deregulation, deregulation so. More people were, they were, you know, able to actually buy more stations and buy more within each city. So, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to make so sure. What happened was, yeah. what happened was, and no fault of anyone, yeah. was that the group of programmers that came up after that did not have the benefit, for the most part, of having a direct competitor looking them in the face. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have somebody looking you directly in the face, uh, your skills cannot develop to the degree that they would have developed. And then from there, it became very corporate, where you had people on the corporate side who uh, went back to college and um, got uh, degrees and master's degrees and even doctorate degrees. And uh, how can I say this? 
I'm retired now. <laughs> uh, they got degrees in urbanology. Negrology, as we used to say. Negrology. <laughs> all these, all these uh, people that didn't look like us yeah. got their degrees in negrology. Yeah. Gotcha. So with, the, with their degree in negrology, urbanology, they now are supervising uh, these urban program directors. And with the whole situation of deregulation, not that they were bad people. Hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah. What it was was that then the other dynamic came in where you get all of these corporate folks in that people are really protecting their paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, being honest, I mean, you probably had people who had different motives, but the bottom line was if you got two or three layers of this and two or three layers of that, these guys are protecting their paycheck, yeah. Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why they had to have the control and they did it based on the fact that we're now public and then the station started going public. And uh, then you had people in the, then they started being purchased by these major conglomerates and whether it be urban or black stations or any station. So now all of a sudden you have 10, 20, 50, hundred stations and you have no, you would, you would have no idea what's going on in any of your entities. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can say whether it be a franchise restaurant, a shoe store, Mm-hmm. You got a hundred shoe stores, and you don't know what you don't know what nobody doing in any one of the shoe stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to have some. So, yeah. as much as it was a downside, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, saying the one they had to know what was going on, and these people had to protect their uh, uh, paychecks, and just based on that whole uh, mentality, you know, you have to have people that are going to look over the. Uh, the people that are there. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, you know, yeah, we, we, we talk about the, that's, that's the transition, you know, that that's where things started. You saw a significant change, but before you leave that, you know, just looking back at the whole, your, your, your career, um, I want to, I want to change gears just a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Your favorite musical era, because even though you may have been on the air, the programming side of things got you, in the midst of music, you know, you dealt with the music, uh, the, the record promoters, you dealt with your music directors. What, what was the favorite musical era? I would say the eighties, hmm. uh, from, from a professional standpoint, it would have been the eighties. Okay. Okay. I grew up on the sixties and broke into radio in the seventies mm-hmm. and why the eighties? Because the eighties was just yeah. a lot of, it was well, the, the music was very well produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a lot of producers that came in, the quality of the music and this, you know, and there were a lot of hit songs, yeah. you know. Okay. Uh, and it was a, a very successful time for uh, radio stations in general, particularly black radio stations. Now, you just finished up. You were right around 2011 is, uh, you know, or so um, it's when you, you, you know, kind of got out of the business. When, uh, when you look back, um, and even now, because I know you're still active, you consult, uh, you still play a role. Uh, where do you think the music is today? Oh, I think today uh, it's just a whole. The difference is back in those in that era, it was universal. Mm-hmm. So you had songs that had universal appeal, whether it be from, uh, for the most part, the, the big, uh, whether it be lyric, texture and so forth. Mm-hmm. 
what happened going into the 90s was a lot of uh, uh, segmentation. Okay. Uh, the the rap thing and so forth was beginning in the in the mid to late 80s. Yeah. I would say that became more prevalent in the 90s moving into the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And then from there, uh, what became adult urban uh, came in and then uh, it broke off into several different segments where you had one that may have played oldies and one that may have just played R&B. And then on your mainstream side, you had uh, a, a whole like uh, maybe a little day parting yeah. where uh, it was somewhat kind of universal during the day. But in the evening, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was really just for the younger people. Yeah. Uh, so from that segmentation, and then after the segmentation came in, that led into, um, I guess, uh, cable, I suppose, you know, yeah. where, uh, where, where television like radio yeah. was, was extremely, uh, uh, uh targeted to yeah. a particular, uh, demographic genre and all of that, mm-hmm. which is really not all a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's it's the evolutionary aspect of life. Yeah. It's a time, and yeah. then the technology yeah. changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing about technology and, and evolution, mm-hmm. it's not going to go away, number one, no. and it's not going to go backwards. Yeah, so uh, For all of us who uh, may be over 35, and I think everybody on this call is over 35, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. we're not going to go back to the uh, clothes hanger uh, onto the, the rabbit ears <laughs> as our no, antenna. No, no, no. <laughs> we ain't going there. So it's just as that evolved, this evolved. Yeah. And it's going to evolve even more. So now, because I remember a time where uh, we would want to, you know, you want to hear another radio station. Like I said earlier, man, somebody would have to go and get a cassette. I did say a cassette. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you would have to go to the market and visit yourself. You know, the, or if you were fortunate enough to get someone's listen line, yeah. Call up on the phone. That's a long distance call because yeah. there were no cell phones. Yeah. So, true. so you have to run your bill, somebody's bill up, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so you didn't have the, uh, uh, like the apps and if we'd have had the apps, man, well, you could, uh, we, we even, I remember talking to some people say, man, wouldn't it be nice boy if mm. we could uh, just, uh, go somewhere and then be able to be in uh, Chicago and, uh, uh, listen to KJLH in LA or, RL in New York or vice versa, you know. Yeah, it's a game changer. Uh, game changer. And say, and I remember a guy, you know, when we were talking, man, I don't know what that would cost, but uh, mm-hmm. I'd buy it. I mm-hmm. would have bought it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Let me, let me <laughs> ask uh, Tanya B. Tanya, Tanya B. Real quick, what what was your favorite? What would you consider your favorite era? I would have to agree. I, I believe, um, well, you know, I guess I'm a little bit different than the average child, but I would say, you know, the Motown era, you know, through, I'd say, into like the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. And I say that because number one, out of the Motown era came true, pure, raw talent, mm-hmm. not required today because of technology. And if you look at a lot of the songs, I say even in, in the the I guess you know they say there's still seminal hip hop songs like Rapper's Delight mm-hmm. was a sample of another song. And even today, you look at a lot of these hip hop songs that are out here, and even a lot of what is called formerly urban R&B, even some of the adult R&B, mm-hmm. a lot of it is using samples of music from, 
you know, like they call it the bygone era. Case in point, Charlie Wilson's new record, the one I got, samples what? The Four Tops, Ain't No Woman. Yeah. A lot of Charlie Wilson, uh, you know, when he was with the Gap Band, a lot of their music is sampled. Look how many samples and uh diddy is known for saying that he used a lot of motown samples because they were the most affordable yeah yeah so so now vi vi your your era what's your era your favorite era? oh the 80s 80s my favorite era is uh uh late set late 70s and uh the 80s yeah that's my favorite era of music yeah i'd have to say it, it, it's I'm, I'm in that era somewhere right late 70s 80s you know, I like the nineties. Nineties had good music, but eighties. Yeah, nineties got good music. Nineties, yeah, nineties has the nineties, uh, the early nineties. Yeah, the mid nineties has pretty good music also. Good. Okay. While we're we're talking media, uh, you know, tonight as we tape the podcast, uh, the BET Awards are on tonight, um, and I think they're going to actually. Uh, it's it's they don't want you to call it virtual, but actually it is virtual. Tanya B, am I correct in saying that it is going to be? You know, I would imagine it's, yeah. it's going to have to be virtual. One hundred percent. Nobody is at the Kodak Theater. Nobody is at the BET Experience. Yeah, Nobody yeah. is anywhere yeah. but where most of us are yeah. or should be so, at home. Yeah. So my my question is, uh, do you think and, and I'm, I'm not just going to point to radio, but just black media with everything that's going on right now. You think uh, we're doing enough or black media is doing enough to balance that responsibility between activism and entertainment? And I'll start with you, James. They're probably doing all that they can do under the given circumstances and uh, yes. restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really is probably on an individual uh, person or the cachet that the individual person may have mm-hmm. within their company. See, uh, I'm not in Atlanta. Okay. So now uh, let's just say before the gentleman was, was uh, murdered over there at the uh, Wendy's and uh, with the demonstrations that were going on. And I don't know what the role the black stations were playing at that point in time. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they were being creative either out on the street or watching CNN calling in reports. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I would say that I would think that all of those that had, I was, I would, I would hope, let's put it like that, that people were doing all they could do. I don't know because I'm not in the game. I don't know. What about you, Tanya B? You know, for, let me say this. First of all, you know, people, you know, you talk about BET and you talk about also Essence Festival has gone viral. And ironically, they've started this weekend. So tonight you may have to make a choice between Essence and BET. Doing virtual. But at the end okay. of the day, yeah. they're doing and people were making this big to do about how, oh, the BET Awards are going to be on CBS. I'm like, okay, yeah. And who do you think owns BET? CBS Viacom. Essence Magazine is no longer owned by a black entity. Uh, Ebony and Jet, uh, I mean, when I say struggling, they are struggling and primarily only online anymore. Mm -hmm. So those things that we had before, like um, James, they talked about. You know, the black station, I come from a, uh, uh, an era, I guess you would say, where the AM black radio was like our CNN. That was the main fabric in the thread of the community where we got information disseminated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you look at how many black owned stations you have now. At the end of the day, truth be told, Urban One Radio One is not completely black owned anymore. 
So, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's somebody in a room somewhere with a very tight necktie on saying, do, do this, but don't do that. Be careful. You know, we don't want to uh, alienate any sponsors because then that means, you know, we may lose some money and we're already losing money because we're in the midst of a pandemic. So I think, you know, there are a lot of elements I see that go into this. But, um, you know, like James was saying, I, I really would like to see, and I know everything, you know, old is new again and everything changes and things that were may never be. But if there's one thing I'd like to see in my lifetime before I close my eyes is to go back to a time when black radio was the pulse of the community. There are mm. markets now where there are black populations that don't even have a black radio station. Yeah. So imagine what they're missing out on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and now a lot of I've talked to some some black PDs here in Atlanta and mm-hmm. in other markets and we can't do but so much because of the pandemic and we can't send our crews out in the street because you know, we don't want to get sued if somebody happens to get hurt or if somebody you know, picks up coronavirus so mm-hmm. they're doing it you know while walking on eggshells I think a lot of what they're pulling is coming from you know the CNNs and, and, and those entities that are out there in the street so if Fox News can be out there in the street and capture the woman that allegedly set the fire at Wendy's where Rayshad Brooks took his last breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's got to be a way that, you know, our black formatted outlets can be out there having a presence doing something. You don't have to touch a person to give them a Ziploc bag with hand sanitizer and an F95, FN95 mask in it. Yeah. That's just, you know, what's on you. Uh, I think what's the thing of it is, is that you, in, in that, in this day and time, you're going to have to be creative. Yeah. Uh, and being creative is that, uh, okay, maybe you don't have a, a, a news staff, because you probably don't have an, uh, and, 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 and you know, I don't think people necessarily turn on yourself for news anyway. But right. uh, turn on CNN, see what's going on, and maybe report that. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, because the majority, you, you take whatever your cum is, the majority of your cum is not down uh, in, in downtown Atlanta or out there on University, wherever that you know. Anyway, you're right, or or even listening You're're to the radio. There. Or at work where they have to listen. They're okay. not there. So at least yes. give them the reports. Yeah. The facts. That's a creative way. Yeah. Oh, and, it's and what that's you do the on the now again. Too. Not you always talked in the about, yeah. You talked about your strong songs back, you know, in your radio career. Again, that was something where you had to be creative. Yes, you some some people have, you know, there are competitors someplace and other places you don't. But I think the key to it, whether it's 1980, 2080, now, whenever, it, we're in, you know, in a, in a place right now where just as James A. said, creativity is really what will separate the, you know, them from us. So just, you know, we have to find like we like back in the day, you had to find an alternate way to get something done yeah. because if they saw the color of your face, everything stopped at that point. You know, shout out to Dave Clark, who found a way to get into a radio station to get his records played because he couldn't walk in the front door. Yeah. So true. And particularly if you're dealing with some of these heavily black populated uh, uh, areas, I don't know. I, and I would say at least Atlanta, if nothing else, Atlanta, Atlanta uh, I would think is the capital of black America, to be very honest with you. So, you know, mm. yeah, so, so you just have to find a way. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and, and y'all, I asked I asked James A to give me because I think in every era, uh, 
especially when we're dealing with what we're dealing with uh, in with, with civil unrest and, and just change. Every era of music goes through a period where you have protests or um, inspiration songs to kind of get people through movements. And I asked James A. to submit some of his songs. And, and I'm just going to play them for the podcast audience, just some clips, not the whole songs, but, but just to, you know... Of course, y'all know that when James uh, Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Brother, brother, and and James, uh, you know, I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, Marvin Gaye, what's going on has just stood the test of time. Even when you listen to the lyrics now, you know, you think the lyrics wouldn't be relevant, but every lyric is almost relevant, pound for pound. <laughs> when you listen to what's going well, on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mar- Marvin uh, clearly probably is the one that has withstood the test of time. Uh, another one, Father, Jesus is Love, you know, by the Commodores. Help your children. Um, another one that really doesn't get a lot of play. You went back for this one. OJ's Gambling Huff. You're gambling up. Uh, well, b- b- wake up everybody, and then uh, I understand there's now a new version of Wake Up Everybody. Yeah. And I, I'm not in the game now, but uh, mm-hmm. I would hope that's in heavy rotation, particularly now. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is of course the classic, but there's the Mary J. Blige version. There's the version with uh, John Legend as well. And and again, still relevant uh, lyrics. Queen Latifah, Unity. And I'm going to tell you another OJ song that I heard. Like, like you know, you talk about how you travel to different markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I heard this song in New York at one point. I uh, it drove, it came through the tunnel, one of those tunnels. Mm-hmm. And I hit BLS. This was Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. And I heard this record by the OJs. I said, man, I had never heard this record before. Wherever I was, we went back and played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in this thing together. Okay. I mean, that was the most, I mean, you know, was it? Yep. and then there's another one that uh, came out of uh, the Bay Area and many people may or may not be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard that uh, in Chicago. Was that the Remember uh, to Remember? Uh, Rick Holmes, Rick Remember Holmes. to Remember. Yep. Album cut, yes. Yep. If you have not heard that song, go on one of your music services and just, it's, it's about nine minutes actually. You know, and what he's talking about is the different people of an era, you know, and probably needs to be redone. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Or or, or updated. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Rick Holmes was a jock that was out in the Bay Area in uh, San Francisco at KREFM, no, KREAM, excuse me, Mm -hmm. which ultimately became KREFM, which is now KBLX. But, uh, and I think Rick Holmes was also down in um, L.A. Wow. at uh, KAGB or possibly even KJLH. Yeah. It, and if but, you if you can't find it, it's not on. I think the digital services, but you can find it on YouTube. It's definitely YouTube, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely on YouTube. Yeah. So, so James, I got to ask you, what's next? What do you think the futures? What is the? And I, I want to get Tanya B's uh, opinion as well. Um, where do you think black radio is headed next? Well, I think what's going to have to happen, if it's going to happen, 
is that um, stay diligent, number one. Um, however, entrepreneurialism will be the key. Mm-hmm. And let these um, music service, services and so forth play out to their natural, uh, let, them, let them get their natural place in life. Mm-hmm. Like I said, technology is not going to go away or go backwards. But what broadcasting broadcasters offer that the music technology services don't is the one-on-one interpersonal relationship and do understand something. What you have, and one of the things that was always cognizant with, with me and many other people that I knew was that, which I think was part of our success, was that it was people talking to people. Yeah, so true. So the music services and so forth, uh, Spotify and all the rest of them, they have their they have their place. Mm-hmm. It's going to take something where you're going to have people talking to people. So true. So true. And with the whole uh, business model out there now, with the um, you know the corporate and uh, all of that, and the uh, the whole thing is going to have to be somebody that's in a position to be able to operate outside of that. Now, think about it. I don't know about on the pop side, but how many independent black radio, black owned radio stations are there today, this Very, afternoon, this evening, Sunday night? A lot fewer than when you got into the business. A lot I can fewer. think of two. Two. Well, I can think of two in a large market. No, I three know one. In a large market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In large, yeah. What is it? H-U-R- Mm-hmm. In Washington, uh, okay. Hyman down in Dallas, KKDA, yeah, in Dallas, and uh, KJLH. In, okay. Yep. Now there may be others in LA. Yeah. And if I missed one, I apologize, Tommy. Mm-hmm. You may know of one, uh, or two, or three, or even other ten. Not in a not in a larger market, but in the well, even markets. in the smaller markets, Davis. You know, many. you got Davis and, and no, Mike not. Roberts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Mike Roberts who owns one in well, in, Mike Roberts. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, some of the smaller markets are. Davis, you've got the Perry's, you've got Tory Bailey in. Tory Bailey over there in Alabama. uh, uh, Florence, Alabama, yes. I I just think, I think going forward, (coughs) a lot of the uh, technology companies within the next few years are going to eat up a lot of these larger companies that may not be able to sustain financially. Um, I'm not going to mention any specific names, but I do think you're going to start to see. Uh, and again, I think a lot of it's going to come down to approval, government approval. But eventually you're going to start to see some of the more successful digital companies combined with some of the radio companies in ownership. Um, what do you think will be the lead? Do you think the digital is going to lead or will the... Uh Major yeah. radio companies take the lead. Oh, I think the digital companies. I think digital. financially, the digitally companies. Financially, I think. I, I, yeah, I think financially, the radio uh, side is going to take the lead because they're yeah. the ones with the revenue. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I, I don't think like a Spotify. You know, maybe not so much. But if you look at somebody like maybe a Google or, you know, and uh, and and this is a, a long, long shot because they could care less to, about traditional. But um, you know, on the side of like an Apple. 
you know, but a lot of these, you know, a lot of these companies have, um, you know, they have the money. It's almost like pocket change for them to buy a group. A lot of it comes down. And I think the satellite, the, the, when you look at Sirius XM, you know, I, I know that Sirius XM is, is going to be, you know, getting some traditional market stations probably real soon too. So, you know, I, th- I think, I think digital and, and non-traditional is going to get back into it. Uh, because that's candidly, uh, you know, that's survive. It's survival now. You know, you don't you don't have people who have the money. I got a question. And yeah. Again, uh, like I said, I'm you know just in today's day and age, um, I've heard different studies that as as prevalent, at least perceptually, that all the digital stations and services are. Yeah. That the actual fact is that. On, on any uh, one-on-one basis, do they have actually more listeners than your uh, than your terrestrial station? I've heard the terrestrials yeah. actually have, and and the reason and the reason that was that came out, yeah, was that that m- these digital platforms and so forth, yeah. yeah, perceptually they got it, yeah, but they're not being monetized. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's it's a big deal and, for and, and most people. Yeah. If you had an big event deal. or a product or something that you wanted to get out in Atlanta, yeah, Aiken or anywhere else, are you going to put it on somebody's website, radio station? Or are you going to go to the to the restaurant? Yeah. Well, you know, without a doubt, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not one of the ones that say traditional is dead. I'm not one of those. You know, but I do believe that when it comes down to perception and when it comes down to being able to get the money and the backing, a lot of those digital companies are in a better position to get the financing and, 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 and they can, I they, uh, and, they and, got the money. I mean, I not, not the small, question, not the though. smaller ones, but we're talking, I'm talking, you know, the, the well, big players. We're talking now, but the real I players. would think what you may find is that the digital people have uh, the money uh, and the, some of the major corporations out there are going to align with them mm. and actually run that aspect of it yeah. and grow the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's going to have to happen for survival for the, for Well, because if you know, no matter what you're doing, um, you need somebody that has expertise in there to uh, run it. Yep. So true. So true. Anyway, that's just a thought. Good thought. Good thought. Uh, James, I just want to say thank you. Uh, James, I've, I've, uh, you know, always, uh, had a good connection with James. We never really had a chance to work together. We know a lot of the same people. Um, but, uh, just want to say thank you, man, uh, for, for coming on. Uh, thank you for all you do. Uh, thank you for your, your technology patience. (laughs) The last, it's been, it's very different. It's very different, uh, from, from what we used to do back in the day, but thank you you know, for doing your thing and, and for all the years you put into the business, man, all the different markets you've worked into, you've worked in, man, uh, you know, kudos. And, and that is, you know, a testament to, you know, your, your skill, your knowledge, you know, and, and, and just your, you know, ability as a good guy. So, you know, well, again, uh, I thank you. Yeah. And let me just add that it was um, more than my pleasure to participate. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, it just kind of goes down to something real basic. Um, if you've been blessed with a talent, share it. Absolutely. Each one, teach one. So y'all, I just want to, you know, just remind you, uh, you can catch us every week. We do the taping of the show, um, at six o'clock Eastern. You can, uh, you know, check us out at the, uh, the stream 
castropolis.net. Uh, you can download the uh, MyTuner radio app. We're there, the Castropolis Net. Uh, just go ahead and all that information is on the website as well as on our social media. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. We're there and uh, we greatly appreciate the support. I just want to say thanks to my panel, my weekly panel, Vi. Thank you so much for jumping on. I know you were a little bit late, man, but I, I greatly appreciate you. Tanya B., as always, I know you're having some infrastructure issues over there. I'm calling the mayor. I'm, I'm, right now, I'm on the phone. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, I'm mad because James A., her, see, James A. is on the line, and James A. has known Tanya for a while, and we've always had, like, the perfect signal. So I know something's going on in Atlanta. I got to get on the phone and talk to some people, so... Uh, Tanya B, you hang in there downtown Atlanta. James A, again, thank you so much, sir. You've been, Pleasure's mine. Tanya, been, good speaking with you. Yeah, you've been golden. And, and with that, y'all, uh, episode 39 is in the can. Thank you so much for participating. And happy Black Music Month to everybody. And uh, have a great week. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to The G Podcast with your host, Tommy B. The G Podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.